0: Hello fellow adventurers, I'm Josie Thompson and welcome to the You Can Shine podcast where I explore real stories of real people just like you and I who have faced adversities, trials and won. Today I'm here with Nicole Van Hattam. Let me tell you a little bit about our guest. I met Nicole when she was the MC at an event that I was keynote speaking at and from the moment we met there was this instant spark. Nicole is the founder of Hot and Healthy Academy and is an executive well-being consultant. She's on a mission to end what she calls death by desk, an epidemic of burnout. Nicole is a leader in the field of anti-burnout and personal sustainability strategies for corporate high achievers and female business owners. Nicole has been featured in live TV and on the cover of Holistic Bliss, woman today and a wealth of online publications. She's spoken for TEDx and a range of conferences around the globe. Nicole has been appointed as an advisor for the Australian Small Business Advisory Service. She's also a three times number one best-selling author and was awarded Chief of Defence Force Commendation For critical relationships, she managed with four Australian Defence Force missions overseas. Get your hard hats on, people. Nicole is also partner to Craig and mum to Gabby the dog, and she loves tattoos. And she has a funny one and a favourite one that she's going to tell us about. She is a bundle of energy. Welcome, Nicole Van Hashem. Thank you Josie, it's such a
1: pleasure to be here and, and yes we definitely had a, an instant spark and connection when we first met and I personally was very inspired by your story and I've actually been stalking you before I met you. Oh stop it.
0: <laughs> couldn't help myself, I was like wow who's this amazing woman. So Nicole today's about you okay so <laughs> I've, done a, I've done a rundown of some of the career highlights of your life but tell us some of the real story underneath who is Nicole Van Manhattan, what are some of the formative experiences that have shaped your life? Um, well, I'm going to start with, you know, being the youngest
1: of five of immigrant parents who came to Australia uh, from Holland, obviously many years ago, and I think that definitely does have a significant impact on how you look at the world and, and how you look at the opportunities around you. So for me, it was very much hardworking family who really, really wanted to make a difference. So part of that was that I've been working since I was nine and I love it. I don't know if I'm wired for hard work, but I've found a great joy in working hard and especially customer service. Like if I could put a smile on a customer's face or solve a problem for them or make their day better, Uh, However I needed to do that, I would. And I guess that has um, infused all the businesses I've been in, all the corporate roles I've been in, all the consultancy stuff that I've done. And also uh, what I teach my clients and what we do through, obviously, the Hot and Healthy Academy is around focusing on service and how can you make a positive difference uh, through your business or your role or whatever it is that um, you're doing in the world, whether it's community service or, um, you know, in your family. Um, So that, that... to me, it was a big one. We grew up with a very strong work ethic. Um, one of the disadvantages of having a very strong work ethic and being um, part of a family where we had five children and my mum and dad had five children in a short space of time was I never got the example of resting. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> me as a little girl growing up, I saw my dad sit in front of the TV watching MASH because he came from a military background, which infused some of my goals and choices in life. Um, And my mum, Queensland, no AC, would sit there or stand there behind the couch, all of us kids sitting on the floor, dad sitting on the the couch, and mum would iron basket after basket after basket of clothes in the hot Queensland summer, sweating, but happy and content. I don't know how. But I looked at that and thought, oh, right, so women don't rest. Women don't prioritise self-care. And it wasn't a conscious thought, it was a subconscious thought that men work hard and they stop and they rest and they get dinner served and they can chill out. But women don't stop. And the the result of that was, uh, jumping forward many years, my first burnout. So I've had four burnouts. I seem to need to learn things from every angle before I actually finally learn the lesson. So my first burnout took me 20 years. You have a PhD in burnout. Absolutely. You want to know anything and everything to do with burnout and how to make it happen for you. (laughs) I can teach you, but I can also teach you how to avoid it and how to recover fast if you've (laughs) experienced it. Um, But that was a really, really important subconscious uh, conditioning and belief that was put uh, into me as as a young girl. Um, I love to work really hard, but nobody told me how to rest well. And as a result, over time, the accumulation of that, while it led me to great achievements, also led me to undermining my resilience and ability uh, to keep going. So, you know, jumping forward, first burnout, and then I've had four. So, yeah, they were very formative times, as in every child's life. Those first decade of your life with your parents, they are the greatest influences and they help you establish your belief systems.
0: So let's talk about burnout. Like what is it? How does it come about? And what are the options? <laughs> well,
1: the first thing is when I when I talk to, let's say I'm talking to corporates or I'm talking to high achievers in any field, the first thing is they don't want to acknowledge that they're burning out or they're at risk of burning out because they see that as a failure, as a weakness. The important thing to know is it isn't the couch potato that burns out. It isn't the person with no great goals or desire to make a difference or um, a drive. They're not the ones that burn out. It is generally intelligent, motivated, go-getting kind of people who want to make a difference, who want to elevate themselves. They're the ones that burn out. So they're the ones that um, I have the conversation with around, okay, so how do you know you're burning out? Well, you know you're burning out when you start getting short with the people around you, whether that's your colleagues or your family, Um, when you say, no, I don't need to take care of myself, just keep going, keep going, keep going. Um, It's So one is an emotional, one is a physical burnout, so you might be gaining weight, you might be losing weight. For me, some of the signs for me were um, I had – Constipation, diarrhoea, bloating and gas all in the same day. My digestive system was in constant distress and I managed it with medication, working harder, um, drinking more coffee and secondhand cigarette smoke. So really great strategies there for that. No, I'm kidding. It's terrible. Um, But that's one of the, so physical burnout, the emotional burnout, uh, psychological burnout is another form of burnout. So that's where um, you're not thinking straight. You might have food or alcohol or drug addictions. Um, You might not be making great decisions. Decisions might be harder to make. You might not be able to do what you did in the past, which was manage, you know, complexity very well. Another one, which uh, is a creative burnout. So when I'm talking to entrepreneurs or I'm talking to intrapreneurs in an organisation, we talk about, you know, uh, creative burnout. So that's creative problem solving, might be creative communication, might be creative accounting. Um, It might be art, music, whatever. It could be in their corporate or their job and it could be in their private life. And one that I add in, because the World Health Organization talks about um, burnout being described as emotional, uh, mental, physical, and um, doesn't talk about financial burnout. That's something that I added, the creative burnout. But there's two that I add. One is the financial burnout, which is massive for women. Um, And the other one is the spiritual burnout. So where you just don't feel connected to your spirituality. And that could be a religion. that could be you know barefoot on the beach, getting the ions off the ocean, hugging a tree, could be praying five times a day, whatever it is, it's a disconnection or a lack of depth of connection uh, with your spiritual belief system. Um, going back to the financial one, one of the reasons that, you know, I decided to create an entire academy that serves women in small business is that women over the age of 45 in small business here in Australia are the fastest growing demographic of uh, poor and people entering the poverty in Australia, which is uh, just mind-blowing and we need to do something about that. We're way too smart to have this happen in Australia and it just means we need to be part of the solution and it begins with education and support and, and creating affordable solutions
0: for women to access. So it sounds like this whole idea of burnout can happen at many, many levels and it sounds like it's completely debilitating, you know, your capacity to really operate and function in a normal or required manner to lead life is completely impaired. I mean, how long does it last? How do you even start to pull out? You said the first step is acknowledging that something's mm. wrong, mm. right? So once you acknowledge something's wrong and it's not out there, it's in me. where does someone start with burnout? This is mm. huge. It is huge um, and
1: it's happening younger and younger. So millennials are the fastest growing um, group that are experiencing burnout um, and I would say it's even getting down into, into the pre-teens now. And that's because we're so overwhelmed and we never stop. We're constantly bombarded with information around us that we're not good enough and that we should want more. We should want something different. Um, and that the world is big, scary, terrifying place. And it's all outside of your ability to have any control over. And it's done for a very important reason. There's great commercial benefits and great um, political benefits around being able to control a populace if they're, in a state of fear and insecurity, constantly. If if each and every one of us believed that we had all the resources and ability to take care of ourselves emotionally, um, and and provide for ourselves, we'd be less manipulatable. Mm. So, it is happening younger and younger. So the first step is awareness. So a lot of what I do—podcasts, blogs, TV shows, etc.—is talking about what is burnout. The mm. second one is getting people to say it's okay for me to acknowledge that I might be finding life a little challenging Mm. because it is. It's complex. Modern world might be easier, but it's far more complex. We have washing machines and dryers and dishwashers and vacuum cleaners. So it is to a large degree easier, but far more complex Mm-hmm. And so a big part of that is getting people to go, oh, it's okay for me to have all my shite together all the time, and that some parts of my life might need a little bit more attention and nourishment and care in order for me to be a little bit more stable and to perform at a higher level with less struggle and stress. Um and then the third part is to go. Well, am I burning out in all aspects of my life? So one thing you mentioned was it can be debilitating. Yes, it can. If you neglect it or deny it or go, you know what, I'll just do that after this next project is finished. I'll do that after this next crisis is overcome. You know, when does it stop? You need to go, all right, I cannot allow this to continue for too long. I'm going to have to take a bit of a time out and go, all right, my physical health needs some fine-tuning my relationships need some nourishing perhaps it's you know you're not sleeping well you're waking up at three in the morning with you know hot and cold sweats and a a list of things running through your head so these are the sorts of things you go well that can't continue for very long we're meant to sleep deeply and restfully and wake up feeling ready for the day and rejuvenated and ready to go with exceptions newborn babies you know, COVID being announced, things like that. These are normal peaks and troughs. But in general, we're meant to sleep very deeply and restfully and wake up ready to go for the day. So it's really getting an idea of like where in what part of my life am I potentially undernourishing and at risk of burnout? And it isn't possible to nourish all of the different aspects of who we are all the time. But it's important to say, let's say on a weekly basis check in with yourself I do it every Sunday night when I plan the week ahead and review the week that's gone I go right how am I doing in the different aspects of my life zero to five relationships and then I break it down it's really quick break it down me and my partner me and the dog Uh, me and my parents, me and, you know, my siblings, me and my close friends, colleagues, community members. And I just do a quick check-in and then I say, well, what is the priority for this week? What can I boost a little bit this week? Can I make a phone call? Can I send an email?
0: So is that like a bit of a checklist that you have and you check in with once a week just to monitor and set some goals and plans for the week? Definitely. So when I work with someone for the first time, I'll do
1: a full audit. That's a full life audit, lots of questions, lots of checking in. I have a template and um, a few diagrams for them to be able to self-assess and I teach them how to do it and then I encourage them to do it at least formally once every three months, so once a quarter and then put in 30-day and 90-day action plans. So we can't deal with everything. Some things we have to accept are going to be the way they're going to be for a period of time but what is it that you can take action on and that you're prepared to take action on? And then what action do you need to take, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, but then to train you as part of your routine, as part of your success strategy to self audit, to check in every week for me, it's Sunday night and just go, how am I doing? Pat myself on the back. I'm doing enough. I could do more. I'm not going to, um, I need to do something a bit differently. Maybe I need to do something less Maybe I need to put in
0: some boundaries. So, Nicole, a lot of this sounds like, yep, you're right. I know I ought to do these things. Yes, I'm aware. But I think this, especially for, I'll talk for me, um, mm. <laughs> my experience as a, you know, a go-getting woman that, who's also had a, a very strong role model about self-sacrifice and martyrdom in the service of the people that she loves. My mum, bless her soul. Mm. Um, so my my strong work ethic is huge, and I only have two gears: flat out or flat on my back. <laughs> so it's it's I'm going flat strap, or my body literally stops me, mm. and I've got to there's just go and there's stop and there's nothing in between. How do you modulate? How do you create that sense of I'll call it worthiness? You know, that, that you are important. It's one thing to say, yes, I'm important, I need to do these things, but it's another thing to actually commit to it. So what, what is the trigger that needs to shift for people to realise the significance of valuing that investment in self? The first thing I'll say is hashtag it's all about you
1: you didn't come into this life to be someone else you didn't get born to to be of service to everyone else at the sacrifice of yourself you really did come here for you um and it's not selfish it's self-awareness and self-care is not selfish it's self-responsibility and if you're not taking care of you someone's going to have to pick you up off the floor at some point Um, whether it takes 20 years to burn the F out or whether it takes, you know, a month on a project, someone's going to have to pick you up and it, it could be you. And for some people, they don't get a second chance. And that was the big wake up call for me was when my, um, my mentor and my boss, he was the CEO of the bank and I was head of HR and we did amazing stuff. You know, we worked 16 hours a day. It was absolutely phenomenal. Um, but I recognised at one point when I was fat and sick and, you know, crying in my office and not letting anyone see that I was freaking out because I couldn't let anyone see I was freaking out. I had 27 staff all looking at me. Um, I went on a retreat and stopped and was like, what, it was a quite dramatic contrast mm-hmm. and then checked in with my body and went, I don't like me. I don't like being inside my head. I don't want to be alone with me. Look at my body. Look at the way I'm showing up. And I am making tons of money and I'm making great impact, but at what cost? So I went back to um, my boss and said, Hey, look, we really need to do some things differently. And he was like, Yep, tell me all about it. And we made an appointment for the next day, but he was dead the next day. He never got the opportunity to make the change. So for me, it was like, What the hell just happened? How come I – well, he was a little further over the edge of the cliff than I was. I was able to take a few steps back. So I was able to build a bit of uh, resilience and a little bit of resources. But for him it was too late. And for other people the signs might be might be different. I had one of my um, – The employees in the bank come to me for a performance review because his manager was like, this guy's a top performer, but for some reason he's just off his game. I'm like, oh, okay. And they said, can you have a chat with him and see if you can motivate him? I was like, sure, send him my way. So I sat there and I had a bit of a chat with him about what was going on in his life. And it took a little while because um, his particular nationality, plus being a man, plus being a very high achiever, he had all these masks that he wasn't prepared to let down in front of a female head of HR. But I got there and he eventually admitted that he was driving home from work and he was tired and he was driving home from work and the next minute he kind of wakes up with a jolt because someone's knocking on the window of his car. And he looks at them and says, "Um, yes, and they go, are you all right? He's like, yeah, I think so. Why? And they said, you're stopped in the middle of a freeway. And he basically, his body switched him off. Mm -hmm. I'm too tired. I can't cope anymore. I'm just going to switch you off because you're not paying attention to me. Thankfully, he didn't get smushed on the freeway and some kind person was able to sort of you know get him off the road etc etc but what was going on in the background was his wife was pregnant with their first child and she was at risk of dying and he didn't share any of that with his team or his bosses because it would make him seem weak and he would therefore be vulnerable to being um, replaced etc etc it didn't because i obviously managed um, the expectations of the, of the organisation and got him some resources and he got through this period of time and he still had his job and he got back to top performing. The, the thing is we don't know where our tipping point is mm. and for some of us we won't know until we're too late. My body was screaming at me and I went to the doctors and said here are all my ailments. Their comment was normal signs of ageing. I went, you're kidding me, I'm 38. So for me it was, oh, hang on, this creeping realisation that we're way too smart to be this dumb.
0: What are we doing? And that's interesting because not only did you have to experience it one time, you experienced it four times. So clearly you didn't get.
1: I'm a slow learner.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I want to help our listeners by Mm -hmm. understanding what you needed to overcome Mm -hmm. in order Um, to make the shifts. Sure.
1: I think it goes back to something that you said before, which was around self-worth and self-value. I really did not uh, take on board that I'm really important but I'm not special. And that, that's a big difference. I am really important. I came to have this human experience. I'm still figuring that out. I'm having fun with it and growing as a result of different experiences, good, bad, painful, joyful, pleasurable. Um, but I didn't embody that in what I was doing. I took uh, what I did for work or my accolades or achievements, I took them as hugely important and as part of my self-identity. So if they were ever threatened either by... Not getting the promotion or the bonus or the, the recognition in some kind, or someone else being appointed who is more shiny or new or whatever, that would really destabilise me, and I would it would it would challenge my sense of self and sense of worth and identity, and therefore I would strive even harder and sacrifice me even more. I believed I needed to do more to be of more worth. Which once I recognised, oh my gosh. If I stop and if I take care of me, I'm smarter, I make better quality decisions, I have far more emotional resilience, I have much more energy should it be required to work a 16-hour day. I have much more strength in my support network because I've had some time to relationships, to connect with my spirituality, to understand my personal definition of success and get clear on the goals that are truly important to me. It makes me a much more solid, grounded, stable, resourceful employee, coach, um, entrepreneur, community member, family member, etc. Even a dog mum. But I I really, and I joke and say I'm a slow learner, I feel as if I needed to experience burnout from every angle in order to be able to, one, identify it really effectively in other people, two, give them strategies to be able to interrupt patterns that are leading them down that path, and the third one, show them how, how they can recover. And in some cases... Be that painful coach who says you're not ready yet. You haven't done enough recovery yet to go back at the level that you were before, and that's okay because when you get there, you're going to be much bigger, brighter and more successful in your definition of success.
0: Beautiful. So I'm really keen if you could help our listeners by sharing some of these strategies Mm -hmm. that can help them to break the patterns. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, as we already mentioned, awareness and then acceptance, so acknowledgement that I have a problem. The third one is look around at what is in your external environment and your internal environment that is setting you up for burnout. So that could be, are you in the right job, the wrong job? Are you in the right organisation? Does it have the right corporate culture that aligns with who you are and where your energy flows and your values? Uh, What are you tuning into? Are you watching crap on TV every night? Are you drinking every night? Are you eating rubbish food? Are you you exercising too much? So are you putting your physicality under extreme stress and for prolonged periods of time? So to look at those things, do an audit. I recommend getting a coach, obviously, because I'm a coach and because I had four burnouts because I didn't have a coach. I think if I'd had a coach early on, they would have been able to identify the patterns really much quicker and put strategies in place, but also hold me to them because my ingrained behavioral patterns were from very young. So it's not going to take me one aha moment to shift them all and be in a brand new pattern of behavior. Um, Another one is to go, you might have to make some little tweaks. You might have to make some big changes and that, can be the stopping point for people. I don't want to change my job. I don't want to change my career. I don't want to change my partner. I don't want to change my country, my town, my suburb. Maybe I don't want to spend less time with my family or off social media or off Netflix or listening to junk uh, lyrics in in songs. Maybe they don't want to exercise or stop or hear what they're trying to tell themselves. And that fear, you need help to get through. There are obviously the outliers, the exceptions who go, oh, my God, that was a wake-up call. I'm totally shifting completely now. But for the most of us, we need a helping hand. And that could be through, you know, a coach. It could be through trusted family members who have some skills and awareness. Mm. Um, it could be through your organization's support structures, your HSE, your HR. Um, It could be through community services, but reach out and get that help. Mm. Your life literally may depend on it and not in terms of, you know, you could be dead, but in terms of living unfulfilled Mm. and struggling and striving and not truly living, loving and thriving. And that rhymed and I really like that. (laughs) struggle and striving to live yes. and
0: striving.
1: <laughs> and th- another strategy is really your day-to-day habits so i'm not 100 percent great at structure and um uh, doing the same thing every day that kind of does my head in i'm a bit more free-spirited and creative and i like a little more variety than that but in general i will get up journal make a cup of coffee organic coffee um and i will listen to meditation recordings i have my vision board i stare at the view i do gratitude and then i'll walk the dog she has to wait and if i can i'll do either yoga or go for a walk and then i get into my day and a big part of that was going oh that means i can't stay in bed until 6 30 i have to get up at quarter to six but then you start to get really In the beginning, it can be, oh, this is a real pain in the bum, and I'm starting a new habit, and I'm breaking old patterns, and I have to hold myself to it, but then it becomes kind of addictive, and it's like, oh, I can't wait to get up and spend some time with me. What's Mm. going to come up for me today? How am I going to show up in my world today more resilient, resourceful, vibrant, joyful, clear, uh, calm? by going through this process and I look forward to it every day now there's still days when
0: I don't get out of bed but it sounds like it's a conscious choice you're refocusing Mm. your attention towards the kind of life you want to be leading and living Mm -hmm. and then taking responsibility by showing up and creating the conditions for that outcome to be real for you because you know as you know no one's going to do it for you right and it is
1: living with conscious intention instead of by default. And it's defining success for yourself. And that can be really challenging. So I, I really work hard with clients and, and anyone I speak to around what is your definition of success? Because mm. it's the only one that matters. And corporations, employers, society, marketing commercialization is going to get you to unconsciously buy into their definition of success because they can sell you something or make you do something towards their definition of success but if you go hold on a minute hold on actually you know I don't actually want to work 16 hours a day and make tons of money at the risk of my marriage falling apart or I actually don't want to be a size whatever pant size I actually want to have time to go to the gym and feel good in my body and have it function at a really high level. And I'm not prepared to sacrifice that for being a manager in my organisation or being a director level or making more money in in my business. Mm -hmm. So it's really conscious and it takes time and it takes courage and it takes determination to continue to reflect, realign. So I say to people, we've got to define it. I mean, you've got to align it. Because if you define it but you keep being in alignment with a different definition of success, you're never truly going to shine, are you? You're just kind of going to just make it to the end and then have some regrets at the end. And, you know, The Five Regrets of the Dying is a great book by Bronnie Ware Mm -hmm. and it is something that I start with a lot of workshops with. Let's talk about The Five Regrets of the Dying. We don't want to talk about dying. But hang on a minute. We've got to continue with the end in mind. Guaranteed we're all going to die so if you begin with that and work backwards you can go well what do I want life
0: to be about beautiful I remember there was a client that I was working with who was studying a PhD and she was on the verge of burnout and massive anxiety and we did exactly what you suggested around defining what success actually looked like and she said to me one day it was in like this desperate words she's like I just want to pass and I said well how are you tracking and she said well I'm if I keep going I'm going to get close to a seven and I said well how much do you need to pass and she said a four I said so (laughs) do you need to be doing as much as you're doing if all you want to do is pass and it was almost like this bolt of, uh, of the obvious She's like, no, and the weight of the world was lifted that day just by redefining her definition Mm. of what success was going to be. So I want to ask you, are there any final nuggets of wisdom that you would love to leave our audience with today?
1: I'm going to say hashtag it's all about you. Yeah. And I love that and I joke and it's been something that I've been teased about over the years because uh, it, it just seemed to out, come out of me. Even as head of HR, I was like, we're here to achieve the corporation's goals. But when I talk to the individual about performance, I'm like, what do you want? And like, what, do you mean, what do I want? You know, because if you align what you want with an organization's goals and there's a beautiful synergy overlap, um, then you're both going to win. But if one is done at the cost of the other, it's not going to work. So mm. everything in your life is about you. It's your life. So it has to be about you. And then if you choose to be of service to others, that will come from overflow. So you have to fill you. You have to nourish you. Your responsibility is you. Uh, Don't neglect that key core responsibility. And then with that overflow, you can be of service to many, Uh, whether that is in your own family or whether that's in your organisation or in the broader community and, and global community. So that's one I would say I give you permission to make it all about you and not as a narcissist or, you know, self-centred, selfish poop, but in terms of I came here to experience life as me, what do I want that to be about? Mm. The other one I would say is your daily rituals set you up for success or failure in the long term. And if you only have two speeds, go or stop, Um, you need to set limits on the go and stop. For some people they stop for too long. For some people, they go for too long and it's different for everyone. So go, you know what, I'm going to work on this project for a month and I'm going to go at it full on and I'm going to set my life up so that I've got the best chance of coming out the other end of that intense period and not be completely depleted in all all areas (laughs) Um, and acknowledge what is the risk that you're taking and what are you willing to sacrifice for that period of time and then cut it off. And then have a look at your rejuvenation strategies. So if you are a, a, a go-hard, recover person, then what are the strategies to help you recover fully and in the shortest amount of time possible? Because if you are that person, you're going to get excited by something else that you're going to want to jump on. and You might want to jump on it before you're actually given yourself a time to recover. Yeah. And then the third one is please define success for yourself. If you don't define it, you will literally be giving your life, your energy, your intelligence and talent to somebody else's definition of success. And that's not okay unless it is the same definition of success that you have and you're prepared to do that.
0: Wow. Thank you so much, Nicole. That was just awesome. If people want to connect with you or know more, where can we direct them? Sure.
1: Well, they can drop me an email at nicole at com, or go to com, where they can find out more about the academy and they can book a free session with me because they can get 20 minutes with me just to have a chat. What's going on in your world? Where are you at? What do you need? I know a lot of people and I absolutely love connecting people with solutions, whether that solution is me and our academy or whether it's, you know, connecting them with any other person I think might be able to help them
0: wonderful thank you so much what an inspiration and true light you are in the world nicole thank you you've shown us that no matter what the circumstances you can rise and shine again so thank you now if nicole can do it so can you did you like this interview share your comments with me and tell us what you loved about the interview and how it's helped you help spread the love by sharing the link with your friends so that they too can rise and shine So until next time, remember, it's not what happens to you that defines you, it's how you respond that counts. Shine on.